Hello, and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. My name is Peter Bond, and with me today is the fastest gun in the West, Joshua Baker. That's my gun sounds. Wow. Um, our, our producer, AJ Falleri. Hello. How are the levels, the bars? They're good. It's uh, There's another heat wave here on the East Coast, and I'm very upset about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, rounding out the crew is my friend and former closest confidant, <gasps> India Jones. Wow. <laughs> I was wondering why I was going last today, and you didn't disappoint. It, it, what it is was, going on? Well, as I told you in the group chat, I have befriended a cat down here, and now the cat is the holder of all my secrets and a, a close companion. So You can't even hold the cat. Well, we can't touch. I would get puffy eyes, but it's but she can listen to me, you know. I can listen to you. You can hold me. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Um, I'll never give you puffy eyes. This is big news for the people who don't listen to the mailbag. We're going to come back in season nine and they're going to be like, what happened? <laughs> also, guys. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, you please. Please. Go ahead. This is not important. I met a cat. No, it is. This is not a big story. It's a nice cat. Though. I beg to differ. As your friend and close and formerly closest confidant, I want to hear everything you have to say. Yeah. Whose cat was it? I am visiting family in Georgia. It is a cat down here. Nice. She's uh. anyway, this is bad audio. I, I really just wanted to I really just wanted to mention it. I'm having a great cat time yeah. and um, she was shouting at me this morning and it's just I'm having the most positive cat experience I've ever had. So that's what I wanted to share this morning. How are you, India? I would say it's your second most positive cat experience as your first one was probably meeting my cat, Bella. But um, you probably just forgot. I had several <laughs> negative Bella experiences. Let the record show. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm well, I do want to share with my 10 very big books you know, fam, that I have COVID. Mm. She's got the vid. Yeah. And I just, I got to let you guys know it's real and it's not over. It comes for all of us someday. I've never gotten it before. I feel like really triumphant that it took this long, but I'm kind of pissed that I have it, especially for the weekend. What a, what a, what a time. You know, I live for the weekends. Yeah. Uh, it's true. Yeah, it's very true. And how are you feeling this morning? The only symptom I have is the worst one to have, which is uh, no taste. Mm. <laughs> Can't taste anything, but everything else. And I have a stuffy nose, but other than that, I feel fine. Mm. Well, we're all glad to hear that. Josh, have you had COVID? No, uh, there. That's insane. HR is sorry. My fiance. Well, I don't give a shit. Her name's HR. You never figure that out. Uh, she's on her. She's on her second round of and could be covid uh and i've yet to get sick from either time this has happened so i'm annoying i've been told also you work in a school which is fucking insane yeah which is what's what's very funny is i typically have the immune system of a wet tissue so (laughs) like i get sick from fucking everything but apparently at knock on desk the the vid's got nothing on you boy nice damn right all day. Well, Inge, we hope you get better soon. I am fine. That's the problem. I'm fine. Yeah. I just can't taste it. I'm congested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we just finished our read through of Toll the Hounds, of course, and we sent out, uh, we asked your thoughts about the book. We asked for questions. 
and uh, you delivered. We're really kind of overwhelmed by the amount of mail we received, and a lot of it was really great, so we're going to try our best to get to a lot of it today. Um, I did want to give a special shout-out to Ivan, who sent us a really thoughtful email, and I think the four of us really appreciated it, so um, just wanted to thank him. Now, today on the show, let's get to some of the many questions. Um... This question comes in from Dave Ko on Twitter. Josh, if you got a new puppy tomorrow, which hound or character would you choose to name it after? Uh, not none of the hounds, because I don't remember any of their names other than like Gear. Gear, which is not a great you know puppy name. I'd probably name him Crocus. Crocus. Ooh, I think Crocus is the most puppy-like character in the books. So, um, how do you feel about just saying Pust? Well, puppy pust. pust no oh puppy. no! Nah, puppy pust is Sounds a, like pus. actually you're in jail now, Peter. <laughs> That's how that works. Hey, Jay, any thoughts? Um, I'm always thinking about pet names, but I don't think I would ever choose any name from like a series because I'm a huge fan of having a. Well, first, my cat's name is Scrappy, which is not a super creative name, but I'm a big fan of like pets that are named like Gerald or like Jack, like just just like a person name. Like if I was like, oh, you want to come over and meet Steven? And it's just like my, my dog. Like, that's the funniest shit to me. I love that so much. So I, I'm, I'm sorry to all the Malazan heads out there. I would not name them like Whiskey Jack. I would just name mm. them like Jack or like <laughs> Jacob or something. I'd like to rescind my initial answer. I would name my puppy Anamanda Rake Lord of Darkness. Oh, that would be good. That would I think be good. that's what I would. Yeah. Do you mean Lord of Moonspawn, Son of Darkness, Josh? Is that what you were looking for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, his, yeah, <laughs> that's the long dumbass. title, Peter. I was going with the shortened one. And then when people are like, what did you say? He said, I'd be like, no, 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 Annie. Seems Annie. Annie. Nice. Annie. You know, my new closest confidant is a cat named June. She's a, it's, it's a beautiful name for an animal. June? June. It's a month. It's also a name. Yeah. Yeah, I had an ant named June. Handmaid's tail. Wow. Just work, free association over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Inge, any, any pet calls? What do you think? Uh, yeah, let's go with, maybe this is basic, but like, Lady? Oh. Oh, that's good. Envy. I like that. <laughs> yeah, in parentheses, Envy. Envy. <laughs> envy. You take a long pause. <laughs> maybe even just, just Envy. I'm going to name Ooh. my cat Spite. How's, that's really, oh, yeah. that's a really Funny. intense energy. I like that. I think that'd be a great cat name, but I do agree it would be an intense in- introduction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's maybe on an on-brand cat name for sure. Yeah, I have literally two cats circling my legs right now. This is like this is a very cat-positive podcast. I'm yeah. my my cat's in there right now after demanding to get in, and now she's demanding to get back out. <laughs> so classic cats. <laughs> this is from Tor, my GG, or Tor that- to Remy GG maybe or <laughs> you know who you are. Uh, the question is. Toll the Hounds is one of the most divisive books in the series, either placed very high or very low in rankings. Any thoughts on what makes this book so contentious? Uh, we actually asked, I asked Steve this question, and I'll just echo what he said, which is that it's Krupp. It's all Krupp. <laughs> 90% of the contention is from Krupp. I don't, I don't think that's the case. That's, that's not. what he said, and I'm very confused by it because for me, I would say 80% of the book, I'm, I get the fuck out of here, cat. I'm done with you already. Uh, 80% of the book, I just fully was able to ignore that Krupp was the narrator. And cause just like it's, it's fl- the whole book is flowery language. What's a little more than normal. 
So if that's really why people bounce off this, that's crazy to me that you got this deep and this was the breaking point. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's the start of the books. Like this book, I would say, is in no rush, you know? Mm. And it's not the start of that, but it's definitely, I don't know, but I agree with Josh. It's like all the things that I think would turn people off of this book are not found for the first time in this one, you know? Yes. I, I do think they're a bit more pronounced than at other points, um, but I, I also don't feel like it's like, and then the books kind of got long and philosophical on book yeah. eight. You know, it's like, <laughs> um, where you been, buddy? You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think this one definitely wears the like Malazan of it all on its sleeve the most. So I guess if you don't like this book, you just don't like Malazan. <laughs> but I, I think it's I, I think it might be due to the fact that like we're coming back to so many storylines and like maybe there is some sort of subconscious regression of like, oh, we're back in Darugistan. We're back in book one. I didn't like Gardens of the Moon. So now my headspace is subconsciously in like a bad, you know, I'm, I'm like confused all the time or something. But I, I don't know, man. Well, it's not contentious for me. You know, <laughs> this one is from Victor Schleich. Schleich, sorry. Uh, Tell the Hounds has some of the best 1v1 duels in the series. Which one is you all's favorite? Uh, just it's the Animanda Rake and Traveler one. That's it. That's it's it's a it's a D, uh, Dragon Ball Z battle. And it's so much. It's so cool. Not even a, not, you're not even going to try and joke about the Krupp post no. battle. No, no? <laughs> doesn't. You, we can't even do a fun, maybe little joke about that. You can, but I'm I've already given my answer. <laughs> It's like they're on the they're on the the mules and donkeys and it's like haha they're mm-hmm. all right I I, I like the uh, I liked the cutter and uh, uh, Gorlas Viticus one just because <laughs> oh that's a legitimately great pick Josh well see because so much of this series is like a you know teasing you know I know what you mm-hmm. want to happen is this and it never does and this is one of the few times that I was like I just want him to fucking stab him before the fight starts and it actually happened. I was so happy. Yeah. I also think that Marilio sequence is really well done. It's that's a great chapter. Inge, do you have any thoughts? The problem is, is I forgot the name. Uh, okay. So, it's the guy. I really liked it because it showed true grit, you know? Okay. It's the guy that didn't die, but probably should have you, died. You're talking about um, uh, the guy who was fighting Cor- uh, Kalor. Oh, you're Kalor. right. Spinock Durav. I kind of, I like a David and Goliath situation. Yeah. yeah. That is, it is a really good fight now that you say it. Yeah. That one, and then the Marilia one is also really good. You're right. Oh, maybe it's just a recency bias thing for the Animated Rake Traveler one. I also think well, that. Well, I would have picked that if you didn't, AJ. Okay. I would have picked that if you didn't. Okay. Well, I like your choice, so. Um, yeah, I would have picked it. It just seemed like the <laughs> obvious one. You know, it's like. Yeah, correct. Give me something else, you know? Yeah. Uh, we like to dive a little deeper here on the show. The people's people, the, pe- the the people's person. That is AJ, isn't it? Or is that Josh? I think it's AJ. Yeah, the I people's champion. I think I it's AJ was too. The, was the title I was given at one point. Mm-hmm. The people's um, champion. Yeah. That's AJ. Wow. So, uh, Inge, who is your favorite between Pust and Krupp? This that's from Andre. That's the most heinous question <laughs> I've ever been asked. <laughs> I'm so heinous. angry that I even have to consider this. <laughs> You see, okay, it's not that easy. It's not that easy. It's not an easy question because Krupp is just such a cornerstone. Like, I really... Sure. So, but I guess technically so is Pus, but, you know, Krupp is like the voice and the eel. Mm. The eel. You know what? 
Oh, but pasta so okay. I'm gonna say crop. I'm gonna say crop. Josh, I'm 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 team crop. No question. Uh, Aj. I also think it's Krupp. I think the pust sections are like funny, but I just I think generally like Krupp more as a character. Yeah, so Krupp. that's how I feel. I think the pust yeah, sections yeah, yeah. are funnier, but Krupp is good. And I like it when Krupp's there where pust just mostly seems like a bit, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah it's just very much like, oh, we're it's silly time, you know. Yeah. And then yeah. he's going to say something weird and like, you know, something about magic or whatever. And it's going to mean something. But like. It's mostly for the bit. Um, I love the bit, though. Yeah. I oh, I like the bit. Also, Mogoro not getting enough love. Mogoro? That's what I said. That is, you just, it was all O's in there. That's not what you said. Inge, do you want to read the next question? From Eggs. Does the gang find any similarities between the Harlow Stoney and Mibe Silverfox plotline? Mibe's guilty, mm. reluctant love towards Silver Fox and Stoney's inability to allow herself to show love to Harlow. Previously, we had the Mibe's POV, but in this storyline, the focus is mostly on Harlow's POV. Which of these two storylines resonates stronger with you? P.S. Much love. Love the show. Love you, eggs. It's a great question. Yeah. I love people drawing parallels in these books. Yeah. You're always like, huh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Exactly. I feel every time when you someone put does it like this. that. Yeah, uh, it right. seems compelling when you, when you put the two <laughs> right. things next to each other. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a funny vibe today. Hold on. I'll be right back while I, while I ruminate on this. Okay. I th- uh. think the one that resonated more with me is Harlow's, uh, is the Harlow Stony one. Because, like, the Silver Fox Mibe one is 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 very uh, like heavy and stuff from you know just a mother's point of view and stuff, but also Silver Fox is like this mystic being or whatever. So I think that kind of takes me out of it a little bit. You know, if I had to nitpick, I guess. Uh, but like the Harlow and Stony stuff is like they're both just people uh, in like a terrible system or like you know a terrible place. And they are just doing people things. And so that's, I think, easier to relate to than like, ah, I gave birth to a, a god or whatever. Uh, and I didn't really want. And, you know, I mean, the Mibes POV is like not super focused on the fact that Silver Fox is a god. But I think it's you can't remove that part of it for me. So I, if, I, if I had to choose one that resonated stronger, I think the Harlow and Sony one is, is my choice. A- AJ just fully said everything I was thinking. So nice. nailed it in one. Nice. I think it's also very easy to like to you know the Mibe was five books ago, so That's obviously well. time time is a little bit of a factor yeah. there. But I really do think it is like the whole I can really understand and empathize with Stani versus I find it very difficult to empathize with someone whose life force is being drained by their daughter god. But don't you think, Josh, that that's just like metaphorical, like you could read that as 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 metaphor as well. Like it doesn't have to literally be being drained because like being a parent, I imagine, is an insanely draining experience. No, I get that. That's why I don't want kids. And so that also makes me sad. So I get. uh, Yeah. So I think Stani for me. Yeah, uh, I do hear you that I think situating it in Harlow's point of view is really different, especially since Silver Fox is less interested in getting that relationship from her mother you know I, yeah um, sorry you in a, it's a le- well less than harlow you know who obviously mm-hmm. is is more interested in it 
But I do think the point of view of Stoney and Mibe are different in a sense. You know, to me, I feel like Stoney like wants to open herself up to that love, but is not letting her really do that. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like Silver Fox is opened up to the love and loves her daughter and that the pain is actually coming from her experiencing those emotions you know mm-hmm. where stony mm-hmm. i feel like the pain is coming from her shutting herself off from those emotions you know mm-hmm. um but i do think it's an interesting parallel and um i do think they they do kind of resonate with each other yeah. even if they have these differences yeah i do think also that like the Harlow versus Silver Fox, like, you know, they're both the child and stuff. I think both of those POVs are like true to like what being a small child is like, is like you just want to like have your parents love you and stuff. And also like what being a teenager slash like young adult is like, where like I'm trying to gain independence and I'm not really thinking about my parents because like inevitably, you know, preach children don't, th- you know, children stop thinking about their parents because they're thinking about themselves. Uh, and, yeah, and Silver Fox almost re- takes for almost takes for granted. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So I think they're both extremely, extremely well like realized in 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 those terms. But uh, man, good books, gang. India, what do you think? Well, definitely, definitely parallels in some way. Mm-hmm. Neither of them chose to get pregnant. Neither of them chose to have children. Um, so yeah, that's true. Because wasn't the Mib like? artificially like implanted with silver fox or something like that yeah i I guess i don't know whether she was already pregnant and then the baby kind of becomes another thing or whether she became pregnant and involuntarily i don't actually know i thought it was involuntarily i thought an immaculate conception is that what this is no because remember the beginning of the book and they're all in there and they're like there's this baby all the god People are in there talking and they're like, we're going to put a baby in oh, there. Oh, they did put a baby in her. Yeah, Krupp was there and Kroll was there. You're right. Right? Yeah, I guess. Damn, good memory. <laughs> I kind of forget, to be honest. It's really interesting. I'm going to try and look it up. And she was like young and like mm-hmm. whatever. And then she got old. Yeah. But which one would you say resonated stronger with you? I loved that book. Mm. So Yeah, that's fair. That <laughs> one. That's fair. I loved it. I loved it. I loved Silver Fox. I loved the vibe. So, okay. This is what I thought. <laughs> okay, l- l- I'm clara I'm clarifying. This is just according to the w- the wiki. Do not quote me that she was already pregnant with a child that had no soul. Dot dot dot. I don't know what oh, that means. Cool. And then how does one? And then that Tattersail's soul would transfer to Mive's child by you know the the gods and stuff. Got it. I I okay yeah sure. Osmosis. So that is a little confusing to me, but I do think she it wasn't involuntary in a sense but i do agree that it being silver fox is involuntary so i do think there is some element there you know but she was already pregnant is what i mean i'm sure she like wasn't expecting to turn old oh no well so that and that's (laughs) what i mean i'm sure i think you're right on the spirit of the god that book is so good i'm a my head memories of ice is such a good fucking book Memories of Ice rules. This book also rules and is weird. To me, it's weird and funny that this, the sequel to Memories of Ice essentially is book eight and has almost nothing to do with what happens in Memories of Ice. <laughs> yeah. So. Memories of Ice is the best book. Yeah. Uh, next question. Next question. 
Cool. This one is from Alex from our Patreon. Thank you so much, Alex, for the question and the support. Uh, hey, thanks for a great podcast. Maybe more of a question to Steve, but since he has Scandinavian roots, do you think he gave Snell that name intentionally? In Swedish, Snell, spelled uh, S-N-A with the umlau L-L, means kind. Cheers from Sweden. And then, in parentheses, the bagel discussion went over my head. <laughs> Hysterical. Hysterical. Oh, very good. Yeah, it's a real shame that we didn't. I didn't see this question before we touched Steve. I did include it though because I thought it was so interesting. Did do you that think that is interesting? Do you think it's like actually like a joke, or do you think it's just? I do not think it's. I don't think it's that. I think Steve just. I asked Steve a similar name question about Tula Shorn because there are so many clues to it being bigger, and his response was no. <laughs> it's just a name I came up with. So I would imagine it's the same as here. Hmm. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I do. Th- I, don't it know. Is, it is I can't cool- say definitively. Hey, and you know what? Who wrote this in? Neil. Alex. What <laughs> Neil? Uh, Neil's the next one. Look, Alex. Just you know, stand your truth. Believe what you want to believe. <laughs> um, death of the author. Maybe that's what the book's about. Actually, exactly. Hey. All right. So this one comes in from Neil on Twitter. Uh, Josh, what do you think of the lack of finality in death in the Malazan world? Sometimes. I think it's good, and sometimes I think it's a little obnoxious. All right, speak more to that. Well, I love my boy Talk, and any time Talk gets to come back is great. But then Tula Shorn escapes from a giant hill in the death realm and just kind of gets to chill and be alive again, and that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, considering that, like, Hood explicitly said, you know, when he sent Talk on a mission, he was like, you're not alive, though, you're coming back. So I really just wish the ground rules were a little fucking clearer mm. about what you could and could not do while dead. Um, and I think it makes things a little confusing. And what do you think about the lack of finality in death? Um, I agree with Josh because sometimes people can come back and sometimes they can. And it's like, I, does that make it more interesting? Will he, won't he? Will she, won't she? Will they, won't they? I don't know. But also... You know, I would like a little bit more finality. And and I like my death final. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I think whenever a series starts and you're like, whoa, they went there, they killed the guy. And then, (laughs) you know, eventually they're like, actually, he's back, but he's a ghost now. Or he's back, but he's like a different guy (laughs) now. He's back, but he's a ghost now makes me angry. I hate that. Yeah, that sentence really, like that sentence gave me such just like a feeling. Because you're like, okay, well, so actually there was no consequence. <laughs> no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do get that, but I don't know. Honestly, it's something that never really bothered me about the series until I learned that people were bothered by it. You know, um, it doesn't really bother me, but I do get when I do get if people have a little be in their bonnet about it. What do you think, Hodge? I, I, th- I agree, Pete. I, I never really like it. It didn't register for me that there was like a lack of finality in death i don't know because there are still deaths that feel like big deals like even whiskey jack dying and then coming back as iskar jarak you know i don't know i still felt upset about whiskey jack's death at the time and like i didn't feel like him coming back cheapened that or anything but i don't know maybe i'm just maybe i just like the story i don't know I want to say something poetic about like death isn't really final and like the impacts that people leave after they're gone, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I don't know how that like uh, uh, applies to talk continually coming back (laughs) and stuff. So I'm sure there is some some poetry in there uh, at some points, but there are also times where it's just like, no, this character is alive again. 
but I like both of those things, so I don't have a problem with it, really. Death is pretty final, though, Aj, you know, well, when, you, de- when, when, when you think about it. Yeah, well, it depends how you look at it, Pete. I was just, I was just. Death joking. is final to the person who has died, but oh, to everybody just, else, I, it goes okay, on okay. perhaps just, forever. Ah, I got you, buddy. <laughs> Josh, do you want to read this next question? Hell yeah. yeah! This one's from a name I'm gonna mispronounce. I'm gonna go with C Manu. Yeah, yeah. So, in my honest opinion, an alternative title for this book could be Kruppa details how the good folk of Genabacus begin to realize all of their toxic relationship choices and decided collectively to double down on them. That extends beyond romantic stuff to relationships with gods, parents, friends, revenge, I suppose. You guys have been disappointed with some of Steve's relationship building in the past. So, in this most relationshipy book, which toll the hounds ships did you toot and which did you boot? Great question. Favorite loved, question. Favorite loved, question. Loved favorite reading question. It. it was very good to read. Um, I love right. it well. Inge, what you. do you what do you think? I agree wholeheartedly. My let's see relationships to boot. Any relationship that has to do with Crocus Cutter boot. What Crocus Chalice? Um, you don't you don't ship it? Didn't ship it. In fact, boot Crocus. Um, Scalara. Scalara. Boot. Crocus. Cotillion Shadow Throne. Boot. Crocus. Crocus. Boot. <laughs> Crocus. Um, boot. All right. I, we get Scalara it. You're not a young hand. And, okay. Well, I was just making my point known. Uh, Scalara and Bar- Barathol. Barathol. Mm hmm. Ship it. Of yeah, course, toot definitely. that bad boy. Toot, toot. Hard, hard, hard toot. Hard toot. What other ones did I really... Oh, my God. Toxic parental relationships. Anamander, Rake, and Mother Dark. <laughs> Boot. Boot. <laughs> you don't love when... You don't you don't love someone killing themselves on an interdimensional plane to, like, open up their mother's heart who was also traveling to find them at the same time, coincidentally? <clears throat> hard boot. <laughs> Um, so yeah. I gave you a couple of takes. I would choose Stony and Gruntle, a relationship I support. A toot. Do you think, do you think the series, well, you know where the fucking series goes, but like, I didn't really feel like the series was pushing them in a direction other than just kind of like him being like, hey, you need to fucking get your shit together sometimes. No. I, although I guess actually, I guess Bellum Nom did that more than anybody, really. Well, Bellum Nom straight up said it, but I I, I don't know if those moments really. Did, I, li- did I like their interactions and in Memories of Ice, and I like their interactions in this book, and I think it's clear that Gruntle is just like worried about her, and like in mm-hmm. just a very caring way, you know. And I think that's nice, you know. Uh, I would say Gruntle is very unequipped to deal with like. I don't know, helping Stony in any meaningful way. Oh, I agree with that. I don't he's think just he's like, navigating I'm here, it. I'm here to help. And then it's just like, he doesn't do anything about because he doesn't know how to be like a supportive partner. <laughs> he's like, oh, did, how's things with the kid? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. Cool. Cool. Um, I'm going to go. I got to go to work. <laughs> I got to go. Yeah. I like Picker and Blend. Two. Oh, oh two, that, they're two good. Yeah. the best relationship. The best relationship. Uh, I would also say Ancy and Raced. Toot. That's a good. Ooh, <laughs> those are good combos. Toot. They're fun. Raced and whatever his cat's name is. Toot. I want to add uh, Fisher and Duiker. Yeah. Fisher and Duiker, big toot. Fisher and Lady Envy? Toot? 
Yeah. I, I don't know. Will yeah. they, won't they? Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I liked the part where they were like uh, the, the the part in that chapter where there was very very flowery oh. language about how they were like in love. I thought that was yeah. really nice. I'll go. I'll go. Uh, I'll go. Torvald Nam mm. and his lovely wife, whose name I think starts with an M, but I can't think of right this second. Mm. Toot. Yeah, big toot. Oh, I'll go. Thorny and the, Yaz. I was gonna say. Oh <laughs> no. I'll, I'll toot it. I'll toot it. I'll, I'll toot go. It. Scorch, scorch and left. Big oh, I'll toot. toot it. I'll toot it. Big what about toot. what about Torvald and Ralik? Boo! No, I'll toot it. I'll toot it. I'll toot it. Yeah. yeah. So what do you, I, what do you yeah. think about Ralik and Vorkon? Yeah, uh, I was thinking about that. <sighs> I mean, it's gonna be a lot of aggression in the bedroom there. I feel like you think so. But isn't so that like, what we so look like for? for their yeah, yeah. So I'll give him a two for that. Good for them. <laughs> Cute. Interesting. I thought we were going to boot it. It's interesting to see the split here. Yeah, I think I'm booting it. I also boot it. I'm not a fan. Um, we love a little toxic love. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, this next question comes in from Dead House Squatter. Throughout the series, you guys have been pretty vocal against the inclusion of sexual violence in the series. After completing Toll the Hounds and Harlow's Ark, do you think that his inclusion as well as Stoney's plotline should have been left out as well? Or was this look at the long-term aftermath of sexual violence a compelling enough story to justify the inclusion of Stormy's rape and Memories of Ice? That's a tough but good question. Mm -hmm. Good question. I, I will say I think Harlow's storyline in this book is really good. And without Harlow's storyline, you don't get Marilio dying. You don't get, you know, Cutter making his choices. So that storyline is, is, you know, in its own way essential. And I do think I enjoyed the ending with him and Stani. And now we've been confirmed fucking Discord. It was Bellum Nam who was the random boy. Yes. Shout out to the Discord for that one. Shout out to like 18 people in the Discord. I get it now. What the um, fuck did they know? Well, I, they pointed out a very clear piece of evidence that we missed. Yeah. <laughs> that Pete should have remembered to remind us of. But <laughs> they were very clear. They were like, Pete read this twice. They should have told us. All right, uh -huh. whatever. <laughs> I, I liked it. Um, Thank you to the Discord. I don't know if I would say anything justified. Uh, you know, that the ending, there was a little, like, a little bit of a kitsch to the question. I really like that. But I thought the storyline was good, and I'll leave it there. I, I you know, I wouldn't uh, listen. This is something we talk about on the podcast soon. So we do we, but I did want to include this question. I uh, I remember when we read Memories of Ice. Um, I think I found I find this plotline very powerful, and I you know I do know that it kind of so connects to Memories of Ice, and I remember wanting to talk about it then, but being unable to. Um, so I do think it's compelling in this book, and. You know, if anything, I wish there was more of it. You know, I wish Stoney was a bigger part of the book and we learned more about her life and what was going on. But, um, you know, obviously it does explore the aftermath of this. And I think this, um, I think the Saren plotline also explores the aftermath of violence like that. And um, I think both of them could explore it more. But I think this, um, both both of these plotlines explore it, which is good. And I find this book compelling. So, um, Aj, do you have any thoughts? No, I, I, I fully agree. I think this, um, I don't want to call it a payoff, but I think this conclusion to this kind of, uh, you know, introduction to this storyline in Memories of Ice uh, is really good and I think is invaluable in terms of uh, the way it represents, you know, events and relationships like these, which are, you know, a very real thing. So, no, no I think, uh, I do think it was worth it, you know, I, I guess. And I, I, I agree, Pete, I do wish there was there was more 
stony stuff in here. It, it feels like kind of in the middle of the book, we kind of lose that that storyline a bit um, and and instead replace that with like the gruntle Jag Hut Island stuff. <laughs> Um, and I would have really I, I, I think I could I, I could have preferred more at least a couple of scenes of 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 Stony and stuff. I don't know. Just like thinking. I somewhat feel that. Way. Yeah, it's like it's in here. I wouldn't call it the biggest plot line in the book, but I do yeah. like that it's in here and it's a part of it. You know? Yeah. And I mean, the, uh, the the book is obviously aware of how like impactful it is, because that is the final moment of this book before the epilogue is is Harlow coming back to Stony and saying like I'm important you know I'm I, I deserve to be in your life etc so love me yeah we received several comments about the cipher in the series of it all um, and we talk about that a lot in the spoiler cast and our conversation with AP Canavan so we are omitting some of those questions cool Inge do you want to read this next question from McKean First time round, I bounced off the Kellick storyline hard. So much so that I emailed Steve about it and a few other things. He sent a super nice reply and let me know that it was an allegory for our addiction to oil. Does that change your interpretation of the storylines at all? I don't think so. Um, Not because I, I don't think I made the direct connection that it was to oil. Uh, but I also think that it works generally with uh, just like a uh, general blanket addiction stuff yeah yeah, yeah. Um, exactly you know it could it, it, it's it's an allegory for i feel like a, a lot of stuff um so no i i think i think i kind of read it i think it being specifically oil is interesting but when i hear that i'm like yeah i guess i don't <laughs> sure you know yeah i mean you know people are, are driven to do you know terrible things in the name of the economic support of the oil industry yeah no i know but but it's like is that is like how much is the book related like i feel like that sure. that's like a rogue a rogue theme to be pu- pushing if like i i agree i much more grab grab onto general addiction thoughts or other types of reading yeah i feel like putting putting too fine a point on it raises more questions we got a question from battle dad about how most of the other books in this series have these military plot lines but this is the first book to not have uh kind of an army focused a military focused storyline um, and I wonder um, what that was like for you. And knowing that there'll be some more military stuff in the next book, I wonder what you guys make of its absence here and it's uh, our return to the military. Josh? Honestly, I think there's enough. There's so much going on in this book that until this question was just posed, I didn't even you know think about the fact that there were no military scenes here. I, I'm sure maybe like India did because India's on record of hating the military scenes. But like, I like the military scenes, but I also just liked this book. So to me, I did, I wasn't missing anything. And there was, you know, so I, I, it's a great book. Didn't need the military. Didn't, so didn't have it. And any thoughts? I agree with Josh. I did recognize that. Um, and I liked it better. I feel like this is different for me. Like, cause again, like Josh said, like I prefer to not have them. So when I, when I'm not reading them, I'm not missing them at all or even, wonder like I don't I wasn't even wondering where they were I was more so like oh this is so refreshing that there's mm-hmm. only like battles that I have to read where there's not 70,000 people running around and I'm trying to figure out what it looks like but I have no idea so yeah I liked it worked for me keep it up Aj? yeah uh same same thing as Josh I did not even clock it but 
Yeah, I because I, I, like I also like reading the military stuff. I think I'm on record saying I like the moments of like being with the individual soldiers more than I do like the whole big army stuff. I think the only time that like the the military stuff really worked for me was in Midnight Tides. I was like big, big hot into those battles. Uh, that stuff was great. But but yeah, no. So I think I think taking the military aspect out and just focusing on these smaller groups or individual characters is all the stuff that I like about these books. Uh, and so I didn't really notice or miss the like military strategy of it all. Mm. What do you think? Oh, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I've always been closer to India than Josh with the military stuff, but I do think there's times when it works and I'm really tuned into it and have a great time reading it. But I, I think I would generally enjoy characters outside of those settings. But, you know, I really like this book. I, I don't I don't need it. I don't thirst for the military stuff. This one comes from Sid Boss uh, in the series. Steve captures better than I've read elsewhere how living an extraordinarily long life warps people and their societies so much they can seem almost alien. Not surprising that living for tens of thousands of years would do this. I'm thinking of the Andes passiveness and uh, listlessness or the Jaghut's indifference or Kalor's unrelenting but undirected rage. There's other examples, Eater, Icarium, Male, etc. Uh, so my question for the hosts is how many decades or centuries of life do you think it would take for you to get bored enough to slip to that level of distance from life? Well, All right, I have a couple qualifiers for I answer. Mm. What time period am I allowed to be in? <laughs> Who are you asking? Like you, you're you read the questions that you make the rules now. Sure. Uh, it would be right. No. It would be right now. Yeah, you would have to right now. Yeah. A long time. Like, I, don't, I mean, easily 800 years because, yeah, in like a fantasy world, like swords are pretty sick, but there is no Internet yet. So <laughs> I feel like I do get how the, you know, the humdrum of day to day life would get a little old. But now if I can live forever, baby, I'm just throwing it all in the stocks and I can play the long game, you know, <laughs> 90 years from now when I'm fucking swimming in it and then I set myself up for success. I'll just spend every year learning a new sick ass thing. Oh, what's that? This year it's snowboarding here. I just fly to snowboarding places and just do that for an entire year. And then when I'm an expert, boom, next hobby. Josh would use 800 years easily. Josh would use his immortality to game the system, not to change it in any meaningful way. No. No, because then you become like a god emperor and then the tedium comes back because people have petty, small, mortal problems mm. and I'm not dealing with them. Mm. See, I think I agree with Josh. I, I think for me, I know I would never get bored because I've been practicing mindfulness meditation, you know, mm. and I'm really just yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really appreciating the moment. I'm really mm. in my body. I'm really mm. enjoying life to its fullest. So Absolutely. I think with that and my strict yoga practices, um, I think it's really going to be smooth sailing as I appreciate every second of my eternal life. Yeah, I'm going to hold a sun salutation for 600 years and yeah. then <laughs> come talk to I me think, when I'm I done. I think these two answers have really just highlighted every difference between Peter and I. Because <laughs> Peter in a setting, Peter's like a great tortoise, right? He's just been there for, he's been there so long a tree has grown on him, but he's wise, he'll answer your questions. And then I'm just like, Doing kickflips somewhere, no need for anybody else. Inch, what do you think? You uh gonna live a oh. you gonna live a happy li forever life? Yeah. So agreed. First of all, with Josh, I'm gonna you gotta spend the first hundred years getting disgustingly rich. Oh yeah, smart. And once smart. I'm Im there, immorally rich. Correct. That's what Jesus I want would to, want. <laughs> yeah. 
No, like so rich that I want to buy out companies. I want to form a mega conglomerate and call everything Capitalism. India. Capitalism. I'm going to destroy America, turn it into India yeah. 2.0, and then run the world. Or at least wow. run like a couple of like so some major like some light calor behavior. I I, I low key want to be like Jeff Bezos, but like times four. Like I want to be able to control governments. Wow, <laughs> this was not and so, what I thought you were gonna say. Well, that and I would um you know well that's like that's just basic. Like and, I want to find out about the Illuminati. I want to yeah. know. I need to get down to all of the nitty gritty of what's really going on behind the scenes. Once I find out the secrets of the country, then- But Inch, do you not think after a couple centuries of girl bossing, you might feel some distance in life, you know? Well, then I'll have a few children. I see. <laughs> Smart. Yeah. Smart. India goes full national treasure for 500 years and then <laughs> settles down. <laughs> settles down as a housewife. Aj, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Uh, uh, you know, I don't know, man. I, uh, I guess to directly answer the question, how long do I think it would take to slip to that level of distance? <sighs> I would probably, I'm going to be generous with myself. I'm going to say 300 years. Uh, because That's like, it? have you ever seen a hundred year old person? They do not care about anything going on around them. They are yeah, just but they like, didn't have the chance to live hundreds. They didn't have the chance to yeah. stack their money up. Yeah, am yeah. I going to keep shrinking, you know? No, no, <laughs> we don't no, change. No, no. We look the same. It's a calor sitch. Yeah, we you're just the get same. really dried out and, and look gross. Your, your skin's, you're, you're just going to get drier and drier. Is, oh that, is that what calor looks like? Is he dry? Yeah, he's like a desiccated corpse. He's like a mummy. Is he really? No way. He's got a nummy. He's not like a hot dude. He's not just some dude walking around. He is like, oh my god, he looks terrible. Yeah, Yeah, I love to reclaim. I love to reclaim characters as hot, but Calor is not a hot guy. I'm sorry to say. Wow. Yeah, guys, that is slightly depressing. Did you just see him as a guy? I just, yeah, I thought he was, you know, kind of a not very attractive, but like in an angular sort of way, you know. No. Tell me that somebody didn't kind of like Vigo the Carpathian. That's kind of how I imagined him. That's a reference. From Ghostbusters 2. Oh, oh, yeah, actually, I do get that. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. Um, thank you for all your mail. We are going to actually move and talk about some of our general thoughts about the books, n- book now. Some impressions. Yeah. And a um, ranking, perhaps? <laughs> Who wants to share first how they feel about Toll the Hounds now that we are finished the book. I'll go. Good book. <laughs> Solid. Nice. Nine out of, maybe maybe an eight out of ten. Ba-dooms. Right. Nice. Nice. Ha-ha! I got ya. Can I say, though, actually, one complaint? Not enough dogs. Not that many actual dogs. Not, <laughs> not, actually number, not, num- not a number. There were plenty of number of dogs. Not enough dog time. Mm. Mm. You're looking for quality over quantity. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know any of those Hounds of Light's names. All right. And I really feel like there was a missed opportunity. So for me to enjoy some dogs, (laughs) that's the missed opportunity. If you're going to call the book Told the Hounds, then yeah, we should definitely, we should know the names of some of these good boys. I mean, I I do, I I, I hate to um actually, but like 
If you're going to say their names are in the book, fuck off. No, but like with the other books, you know, Dead House Gates, Gardens of the Moon, all that stuff doesn't happen to like the last 200 pages or whatever. So having the hounds all be in the last 200 pages to me tracks. That's not that's yeah. not true, AJ. What do you mean? There's water in all of Midnight Tides. It I almost knew you were gonna starts say, with I knew it was going to be Midnight Tides, you motherfucker. Jesus Christ. Uh, what, 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 do you, what did you think of book eight? How was your told a hounds experience? I liked the book. I had a great time reading it. Yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, like I said, uh, with the military question, like th it, this book was just all the parts of Malazan I like and none of the parts I don't, I think. Like it was all individual or small group stories and like one-on-one -on -one fights, which are all of my favorite things uh, in, in these books. So, so pretty, pretty high, high up there in terms of, of likability. I don't think we're far enough away from it yet for me to like fully say the impact, the lasting impact it has. Um, but part of me, but I think it's going to end up being kind of a memories of ice for me where I'll just keep thinking back on it and being like, ah, oh, yeah, hell yeah. You know, two positive reviews. Inge, what did you make of Toll the Hounds? Toll the Hounds was pretty good. I especially liked not having to meet so many like new characters. Sure. Um, and coming back to Daruj, the city of whatever. Blue flame. Correct. What else did I really like about it? I don't know. I kind of also like when we're in the mines. Anybody else kind of like those mines? Yeah, uh, I thought it I was mean, interesting. I mean, the, the child slave labor just was a sort of lingering. Josh, how many times kind of... they're not slaves? How many times do we oh have to go over God. this? Yeah, they're indentured servants. Come on, Josh. <laughs> they're paying off a debt. You're right. You're right. They're not slaves. Come on. They're having fun. I'm done with this. So, yeah, I, to be honest, though, those I don't know. I like the kids like scenes. I liked Harlow. I thought that was a really fun little it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun, but like. <laughs> I don't know. It's like a change of pace. I like the change of pace. I'll call it that. Oh, I, to I totally agree with that. So, yeah, Toll the Hounds. Uh, I kind of agree. Eight out of ten, even though it's funny. Um, Seven out of ten. More like Toll the best fucking book, my official opinion. Still nice. like still like the book a lot. Um, like it even more. Third time I've read it. And um, I just uh, I think I really agree with said Inge. It's a real change of pace from the rest of a series in a way. I mean, I think it fits in a lot of elements, but it, it is unlike some of the other books in a major sense. Um, and I just enjoy the kind of mundane elements of it in a sense. So um, I'm a fan. All right. I have already written down my Me too. my Me ranking. Too. I'm ready to go. What the fuck? Wow. Come on, Inge. All right. Well, you guys. What were, were you first. paying attention to? What the were other people were saying on the what podcast? We were saying because I fully was clocked out doing my own rankings over here. Wow, <laughs> you're so funny. <laughs> All right, I'm doing mine now. All right. Um, I would agree with the change of pace thing, though, India. I, I do think it is like a really big change of pace. I think that's a great way to put it. I see. Thank you you so can much. listen to India's comments. You can't listen to mine. Yeah, I have no uh, idea what the fuck you said. Uh, <laughs> All right, Aj, do you want to get us yeah. started? Yeah, are we doing top to bottom, bottom to top? Dealer's choice. Ooh, I, I'm going to go bottom to top. You're All the right, producer. That's how I'm going to do it. <laughs> so I'm just going to say it in whatever order, and then I'm going to cut everybody's order so it's the exact same as mine. <laughs> Perfect. Works for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have number eight uh, at Dead House Gates. Number seven, Gardens of the Moon. Number six is, oh, man. 
uh, I had I had this one and I was going to make the choice in the moment, but it's really hard. Number six is Bone Hunters. Number five is House of Chains. Uh, number four is Toll the Hounds. Number three, Reaper's Gale. Number two, Midnight Tides. Number one, Memories of Ice. So it's really right. tough. I, I I feel like uh, they need to clarify every time we do this that like. Could you say your top three again? Yeah. Yeah. I just, you I, went so fast. I just want to clarify. We are ranking in like the smallest window of like good book. Like they're all really yeah, up yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. They're all we're, very like, good. Really uh, my top three. Sorry. Um, I'll just do my top four because uh, Toll the Hounds was number four. Reaper's Gale was number three. Midnight Tides was number two. Memories of Ice is number one. Mm. All right. I'll go next. I. Okay. I continue to have a completely an unhinged attitude when it comes to this meaningless <laughs> ranking we do. Because I change House it chains, every time. My bottom four are Gardens of the Moon, Dead House Gates, Reaper's Gale, House of Chains. These are four books I'm not super hot on, I would say. Then we get into the top four of books I would say are unclarified bangers. Numbers, uh, you have Bone Hunters, and then you're going up to Midnight Tides, then you're going up to Toll the Hounds, and today I put Memories of Ice, number one, just because hey. that was my mood, but um, all four of those books I have unreserved endorsements of, they rule. All right, I'll go. My bottom st- for several books in a row has been House of Change, Change, and it remains there. Then it's Gardens, followed by Dead House of Gates. Now, on a reread, those could flip, but I do just think Dead House Gates is better. Even taking out the fact that I don't understand, didn't understand Gardens of the Moon. I, think I do think better. you have to read Gardens of the Moon again. It's a fun book. Yeah, I will at some point. Then after that is uh, controversially Bone Hunters is my fourth worst. Whoa. I know. That's where I, I know. And then, uh, then Midnight Tides is my fourth best mm. because I love so many characters on the continent. Just the audacity to just be like, and now fucking Letharis mm. uh, of Steve. Great. Top three. Third, Reaper's Gale. Did not think I liked it as much while reading it in the moment. Looking back, so many cool fucking moments, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and I can't get over them. Number two, Memories of Ice, certified, absolute classic banger. Number one, Told the Hounds, because I have re- I, I have recency bias every time. Number one, baby. <laughs> All right, Inge, what do you got? Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Ooh. <laughs> Did I, what was Reaper's Gale? That was the last, the last book. one. The last book we just read. I put that high because you think I think about my boy Beak. Yeah, you got I think Beak. I, you got the assault. I think on Table Letharis. becoming Empire. The Emperor. You know, like the whatever uh, he is. I love it. Guys, so much. I kind of like these books. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to like them once you get through the last yep. page. It's so much easier. Okay. Um. All right. Go with your I'm heart. Locking it Go in. with your gut. <sighs> okay. Gardens of the Moon. Last, you mean? We start in the bottom. Yeah, okay, I thought we were starting yep. at the bottom, right? Yeah, bottom top, bottom top. Just triple checking. Told the hounds. Whoa! Wow. India Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. The Bone Hunters, Reaper's Gale, Midnight Tides, and then we're rounding out the top with Dead House Gates, House of Chains, Memories of Ice. Wow, Inge. Wow. Consistently with the with the wildest rankings on the show, India. I, yeah. I really, really love your your rankings every time and you you said you liked all the hounds too the thing is i did but when i compare it to the moments of the other books right. that i really like like i really liked um the one when they were like the letharis i loved the sengar like whole like i love yeah. that shit so yeah it has to go up because yeah. those were those i was really in tune with those plots like yeah. these ones i was just like 
it was a good book, but man. <laughs> Assuming our final rankings don't have all of us being like nine and ten are the best fucking books ever written. I think we should re reconvene like three months later to then kind of give our final final rankings when we have time. To oh, like yeah. Back. Yeah. Um, anyway. So here's here's one question I wanted to read from Bird Commodore 18. Steve has said time and again how Dust, and Dreams, uh, Dust of Dreams and the Crippled God is one volume. He was forced to split in two. As such, I'd say you're moving into the end game of the series. Knowing how Steve has no qualms with moving the story to a completely new place <laughs> as he sees fit, where do you think the series will conclude? Genabaka, Seven Cities, Lether, or somewhere new? And I just want to build this question in into general thoughts from the three of you about where we are headed in these last two books. AP actually told me not to worry about that. <laughs> That's true. I, I, That's I true. actually, yeah. I do know where we're going to go in Dust of Dreams. <gasps> oh, Why? you know. Well, there's Why? only one place we can go really at this point, And also the back of the book explicitly states it. So space, not space. We're going to go to the eastern part of the Letheri continent because that's where the that's where all the armies are going. Last book ended with them heading that way. Yeah. Plus the whole fucking Bargast army is already there. So, yeah, I would say we're going there, folks. Yeah. But the question, Josh, is where do you think the series will conclude? Where do you think book 10 ends? <laughs> I think the book 10 ends somewhere like in space. I, I think that's where we end up is some somewhere that is just like it's not even on mm. the planet. It's like mm. maybe in a Warren or something or like maybe in two Warrens and then surprise. Oh, we're actually on one of the double moons above the planet or some shit. I, I, you know, see my the problem I have is that because because we're reading these so late, you know, like Steve's already working on other shit. We like know that the world can't explode because if I and if I well, didn't know that, I would assume the world explodes at the end of the Well, book. I was thinking that too. We know that there is a follow-up series that follows Karsa and I believe his two daughters we've just met. Yeah, but what if so what if what if the world gets split into like a hundred different timelines? And in the timeline we read is now, the world. Now you mentioned time. I do think time could come into play. Uh, at some point in these last two books. In what way? I have no fucking clue. I high key guarantee you that last book is going to be set 20 years in the future. <laughs> There's locking it love, in. Yes. Love love characters. Yes. Locking it in. Yes. Oh my be, God. God. You know, and what I hate is that <laughs> could happen. <laughs> I will that say, would be such that, a fucking play. Oh my God. That was my feeling when I knew nothing about book eight and I opened it up after all of that time and I was like, what? We're in Daruchistan? Marilio's <laughs> yeah. here? I was like, what is going on? Yep. yep. Well, listen, I guess we're going to have to see. We're very excited for the final season of the show. We're going to talk Ooh. more about it, but we plan to cover Dust of Dreams and the Crippled God in one very special final season. And we will talk more about it at the start of Dust of Dreams. Until then, we have a great off-season plan. We talked to AP Canavan. Um, there's a spoiler cast next week. We're gonna have a. We're gonna read another Botchlane and Corporal Brooch novella, and uh, then we'll get into Dust of Dreams in October. We're looking forward to it. Um, we'll record the first episode soon. Anything else we wanted to say um, about Toll the Hounds? Good woof woof baby woof woof woof, 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 woof. Bark. and I will say Nick Cans asked only two books left have you thought about a Philly live show for finale of book ten <laughs> and I'll just say it's an interesting question you know it's an oh. interesting question woof woof yeah woof woof, woof. woof. bye everybody bye 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 guys.
Hello everybody, producer AJ here, preparing myself for Taylor Swift and Carly Rae Jepsen to release their albums on the same day this year. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast, and thank you to everyone who sent in questions. We always love going through them and hearing y'all's takes on everything. If you'd like to give us your thoughts or feelings about this or any of our episodes, you can always email us 10verybigbooks at gmail.com, tweet us at 10verybigbooks, or you can head on over to our Discord, bit.ly slash VBB Discord. That's capital V, capital B, capital B, capital D. Discord, that link will be in the show notes. Uh, thank you to all of our wonderful patrons over on Patreon. If you'd like to financially support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash 10verybigbooks. If you are subscribed to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash 10verybigbooks, you may have seen the debut of Talkin' Targaryen, title subject to change, uh, which is covering every episode of the new Game of Thrones series, House of the Dragon Weekly. Uh, we'll be releasing the rest of these discussions exclusively on our Patreon, so if you want to hear us talk about that and eventually Lord of the Rings Rings of Power, you can head to our Patreon and get access to those for just one dollar. Uh, that link, again, will be in the show notes. And... As always, thank you so very much to Dan Gesrick for making our spectacular cover art. You can follow him on Twitter at A underscore W underscore Dan G for the hottest TB12 takes. And of course, the wonderful music in today's episode, including the remixed intro and outro track, is by the one, the only Amaranthin from his album Simulant Rain, which you can find along with his other music on Bandcamp.com. Links to their pages will be in the show notes, and 10 Very Big Books will be back in one week on September 9th, talking to the one and only AP Canavan, one of Steve's advanced readers. Uh, and host of A Critical Dragon on YouTube. Uh, it's a really fun conversation. You're not going to want to miss it. And I'll talk to you then. And thank you so much for listening.